Hello, and welcome to the professionally introduced Vergecast. <laughs> this is a show about the Verge yeah. and things uh, uh, relating to the Verge's interests. It's like the director's track. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're listening to it now, which is great. And just staring right at me this whole time. <laughs> I was hoping that you would like tell me how to start the show. And the answer is that no one no one knows. But hello, I'm Neil Patel. This is Dieter Bone. And actually today the reason we tried and stumbled through a real intro for the show, which wow. our listeners I know are I'm extremely flattered. Uh, is because Nicholas Carlson is joining us as a guest Hi. for the opening of the show. Nick Carlson, senior Cor- uh, no, a chief correspondent. Chief correspondent. That's a, like a TV network title, <laughs> man. It's totally, ma- it's totally made up. Chief correspondent of Business Insider. A couple summers ago, a friend and I, well, I was talking to Henry about a new job, and then a friend and I sat and said, what would be really awesome? You're so, talking to Henry Blodgett. Henry's the boss. Yeah. And, and he, I had a new job. It's this job. Didn't yeah. have a title. And he and I, and a friend of mine were talking, what would sound awesome? Yeah. A chief correspondent sounds yeah. dope. Yeah. Like, but that's like you have to go to a war zone now, <laughs> right? Like you can't be you can't. I covered Yahoo. <laughs> Come on! All right. So, so with that, wow, with that mouth percussion, we will now explain why Nick is here. Uh, Nick just wrote a book, published a book, first yes. first real first book sold book. Yeah. Uh, Marissa Meyer and the and fight a, to save Yahoo. The fight to save Yahoo. Uh, which I have read. Wow. Cover to cover. No, really? And not wow. because you gave it to me for free. Wow. Uh, but because I have a deep and abiding interest in failed organizations and <laughs> <laughs> uh, disaster stories. Yeah. Uh, and you, it is, is a disaster story. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, Yahoo, people don't think about this, but it was like the, the Google, you know, today's Google, today's Apple, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was the internet company, $128 right. billion dollar company, and it crashed, crashed to uh, within a year, eight billion dollars you know right. that was its market cap so and it's what's it doing now uh, now it's around 50 billion but that's because they made this great investment in 2005 in a chinese internet company called alibaba yeah. and uh alibaba as we all know has exploded in value it's now like you know one of the big giants of the internet so uh, that stake in alibaba is the reason that um that yahoo's worth so much didn't and, right. something just happen with that stake recently yeah, yeah absolutely so the last third of my book is about um Marissa, so you know this awful company that's just going downhill for all these years um and then like this superstar wonder woman ceo marissa meyer you know first i chronicle her rise at google and it's uh, quite a rise yeah. she's like in the garage yeah i mean in the early days of google uh, employee number like 20 to 25 yeah. somewhere in there and there's actually a little bit of dispute over which which number but anyway so she goes to google and she has this amazing career and, and can she say Yahoo. And the thing is, is she gets this, this is how it has to do with Alibaba. She gets this amazing opportunity that most turnaround CEOs never get, which is that she was going to be able to turn around the company for two years, work on it without shareholders really paying attention to how Yahoo's core business was doing. Right, right. That's because everybody who's investing in Yahoo was actually paying attention to Alibaba. Because huh. this was the only way to really for public investors to invest in Alibaba, in Alibaba at that point was to invest in Yahoo and um, and so she had this two year period and could she do it or not could she really get the company healthy by the time this IPO came around right and, and the answer yeah. is no. so it, this is and this is a thing that comes up several several times in your book which I think is kind of like. The way the Verge in our audience, I think we think about tech companies is that they're like fully formed actors and they they're top down. Yeah. Right. And they like they make decisions in a 
a, like a cohesive way. <laughs> and the, the story of Yahoo, which is crazy, is that there's all these people outside of the company yeah. evaluating what it is, yeah. what it should do, mm. doing math, like crazy ass math <laughs> yeah. about like what all the pieces are worth. And then being like, well, what if we just change CEOs <laughs> to do something I want? Yeah. So then I'll make more money. And like, that is like a recurring theme, particularly yeah. with Yahoo. Yeah. Um, and so Yahoo right now, some of the parts valuation, the business of Yahoo is worth negative money yep. compared to Alibaba. Yeah, like right. super quick math. It's so so uh, Yahoo has a big stake in Alibaba, fifteen percent stake in that. Uh, it's going to spin it out in a tax free fashion. That's mm-hmm. just important. That 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 stake is worth about forty billion dollars, judging by the public markets. Um, these figures are actually according to Yahoo, and then it owns ha- you know a good half of Yahoo Japan uh, right. with it's a co venture with um, SoftBank, and that's worth about seven billion dollars. Meanwhile, Yahoo has about $5 billion in cash. So that's we're up to $53 billion is what you would think it would be worth on the markets, right? It's actually the market cap is at $43 billion. So people are saying, okay, so there's the Alibaba stake and there's the uh, Yahoo Japan stake. Yahoo core business, the one that we all think of when we think of Yahoo.com is worth, you know, theoretically less than $0. Yeah. Mm. And amazing. literally the only thing I think about when I think of Yahoo I think of Yahoo Fantasy Football. Yeah. It is the it is the only the one and only valuable part of Yahoo. Yeah. As far as I can tell. Well, no, I th- so my my dad uh only uses Yahoo and he reads Yahoo News. There you go. And he read and and like there I think there's that kind of demographic that How, how old's your dad and where does he live? He is a <laughs> next to in research late, for his next book. Late the 60s people in of Minnesota. Yahoo. Minnesota. So you want of America, yeah. very yeah. popular. You want to know the, the crazy thing? He only reads uh Yahoo Deutschland because he assumes that in America it's more biased. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. so Yahoo. So tell us, okay. So yeah. you you spent months and months and months, yes, interviewing hundreds of people, yes, uh, learning about Marissa. Mai. So I want to talk about the character of Marissa Mai because in your yeah. book she is very much a character, yeah, right. And yep. there's all these scenes and all these moments, yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the Google because I think she, as every kind of ex Google person does, she rolled in being like, I I got it, yeah. I'm I'm from Google, yeah. Oh, so you want to talk about her rolling into Yahoo or like what she did at Google? Let's 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 start with what she did at Google because yeah. I think she she was for a minute like one of the most important people at Google. Totally. So I mean, so there's some lessons people can draw from like the career of Marissa Meyer. She is, by the way, made like seven hundred million dollars. So at Google, she shows up. She could have gone anywhere after Stanford. I mean, she could have gone and a consultant at like McKinsey or mm-hmm. gone off and been a professor at Carnegie Mellon, and like pretty impressive jobs. Instead, she goes and works for this funny sounding company, you know, Google, which at the time was what? Um, <laughs> you know, she's like worried how her parents would think of it because of the name, um, which was just weird. Um, so she goes in there at 22. She was hired as a coder. Um, and to her credit, she kind of quickly realized that that was not going to be her specialty long term. She went in there and she was supposed to build Google's first ad uh, delivery system. Mm-hmm. And it was taking her months and months and months. And then Google went out and hired a guy named Jeff Dean, who's a superstar coder. There's actually like, um, you know how like there's Chuck, uh, Chuck Norris facts on the Internet? Yeah. yeah. At Google, there's Jeff Dean facts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And we actually did a slideshow at BI about it. They're funny. I mean, there's the, the funny like nerd jokes that I don't yeah. really get. I actually had uh, someone explain it to me, uh, one of the engineers at BI. Anyway, He's great. And he, he did what she was working on in about three weeks. Yeah. And she realized, okay, this isn't my specialty. So instead, she sort of stepped back and she loved working at Google. She's like, what can I do here to really make a difference? And she just threw herself at any problem. She got involved in PR. And then she got involved in like really kind of just um, being the CEO's like lieutenant. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and she kind of ran Larry Page's meetings. And then she ran the UI reviews. And she gained a lot of power by sort of um, – 
by being the person who determined finally whether or not a product lived up to Google's standards in terms of user interface. And then the other big thing she did is she set up a program called the APM program, the Associate Product Managers program. She taught Google how to hire. Google had been going out and hiring MBAs, and well, it had been, there's this guy there who was trying to hire MBAs, and Larry Page kept being like, I hate MBAs. Why are you, <laughs> why are you bringing these people to me? They're like a bunch of douchebags. So so Meyer said to this person who was trying to hire all these people, like, you're doing it wrong. Uh, yeah. What you need to do is you need to hire, like, technically savvy people who are interested in business. And he said, okay, you think you're so smart? Go start up the program. And so she did. And it was called the APM program. And it's sort of renowned in Silicon Valley as this, like, CEO school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the clever thing that she did was these APMs would come – they would come from Stanford or MIT or, uh, or wherever. And they would come into Google and they would go off and they would, like – have their actual bosses, like they would be working on Gmail and they would have their boss in Gmail or something like that. But Marissa Meyer was the person who hired them and was running their APM program, which uh, is like, and so they would all, so she was their finisher. Exactly. Right. She would, they would all come back to her, report to her, say yeah. what was going on. And she had a lot of influence with them, even as they went up in the org. And so, you know, by 2008, 2007, she was extremely powerful at Google. And then, then came like a, you know, a, a derailment of her career, but, um, but still, Right. Yeah. But so she, the the one story that I love, which is it, in your book, and then it's been everywhere in the world, is, <laughs> uh, it's the 40 some shades of blue. Yeah. Right. She, yeah. She's famous for like data driven design. Yes. Right. And so the, yeah, tell, I mean, tell that story. Uh, so, so, I mean, I mean, Meyer is the person who, so, you know, she's, uh, she was in human computer interaction at Stanford, which is also the, the, um, the degree that uh, Scott Forstall got out of Stanford, same program and everything. Um, so, you know, so she was very good at like sort of creating ways of understanding what users wanted. This is how she got, she like sort of progressed in, in understanding. So she would, she would, um, she would measure data, mm-hmm. sort of see how people did, but she would also do things like before broadband was, uh, over 50% penetration, she had dial up in her home because she said, you know, like that's how most people are using Google products. Right. I want to use it how most people are using it. So she sort of created these systems and then she created like tests yeah. where she would, um, she would say like, you know, she just had like interesting ideas about what design meant. So she had this rule of like, you know, if there's a certain amount of colors on the page and a certain amount of font changes, you give a point for every font change and a point for every color and different change. And like nothing should go over five points. Yeah. So, I mean, she just had like all these like very particular rules. Right. And then one designer, he's like, I can't work <laughs> with these rules. I can't work with these yes. tests. Like totally. I, yeah. I, I picked one shade of blue in Google, like AB tested right. 41 so, shades I mean, in one, one thing I think Meyer deserves credit for. And also one reason why she has a lot of enemies is like she threw herself at all these problems at Google and she didn't care who else was already trying to solve them. Right. You know, right. She's like, I'll do it. <laughs> Someone else is like, but I am. And then like by the time they say that it's done and she's moved on to bigger things. Right. So the, you said there's a derailment of the career. There's a lot of – there's yeah. a lot to unpack there. But that's actually not – Yeah. that's like it's interesting for itself. Yeah. But what's yeah. – in the bigger context, yeah. Google like flattens out for her and yeah. then she's recruited into Yahoo. Yes. From what I can tell, turn Yahoo into a Google again. Right? Yeah, I mean that's exactly right. I mean, so the, there are two directors who hired her, really led the charge. One was Dan Loeb, and like, there, just real quick, there's a section of my book where Dan Loeb looks at Yahoo. He's the investor you were talking yeah. about before. He like looks at Yahoo and he says, "Okay, this can be fixed. I just need to fire the entire board of directors." Right. <laughs> and so, and so he buys five percent of the company and he basically leads a campaign to get all of the directors fired, including the CEO that they hired. And he does that by discovering that the CEO lied on his resume 
And and there's this, <laughs> this great scene in the book where all the executives at Yahoo discover that this yeah. story about him lying on the resume in a meeting with the CEO, and then he rushes out of the room, and it was just chaos. And there's Scott Thompson. Exactly. Scott Thompson is who I'm talking about. Yeah. So they so so Loeb and uh, another director named Michael Wolf. They were uh, they they actually talked to a lot of people in the Valley, including Mark Andreessen. They said, "What kind of CEO does Yahoo need to turn around?" And Andreessen kind of gave him this idea that what a tech company like Yahoo is, what it pro- what its products are is 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 innovation, not specific products. So you need like a Mark Zuckerberg. You need a Larry Page Jr., you know, and they're like, who's like that? Who's like that? Oh, Marissa Meyer. And so they they were just sort of like stunned that she was interested because she's a big name early Googler. And they hired her with hopes of turning Yahoo into a high-flying company like Google or Facebook or, you know, one of those. Right. So I, so I will say that you work for a new media company that yes. owns a proprietary technology stack. Mm-hmm. We work for a new media company that owns yeah. a proprietary media stack. There, are, There's a hand – the BuzzFeed is one of these things. Yeah. Uh, and that tension between the media company and the tech companies yeah. is real. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a defining in this moment for yeah. us in our careers. But what's funny to me is that for a company like Yahoo, yep. that tension is the whole game. Yeah, yep. right. It's like uh, reading the, the, these stories in your book. It was the choice was between Marissa Meyer, the product person, and Ross Levinson, the right. media person. Yep. And it's like it's I don't know it's like if your football team needs a new coach are you going to pick an offense guy or a defense? Guy? It's a lot like that, yeah. But it's also like you also need a good head coach. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you, there's a reason that like yeah. you also need that, right? Yeah. Like uh, no one thinks Bill Belichick is like bad at offense, right? I mean, exactly. It kind of to like to go with the metaphor further, like uh, Belichick is very adaptable. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and what where Meyer is right now is where she needs to adapt. She needs to say like, okay, I was hired to do this, and by the way, neither of those directors are still on her board, uh, so she's not responsible to them in why they hired her. She's right. responsible. They're to just like agents of chaos. Like yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> like, really we, the way we talk about companies, and the, even the way BI reports about it, yeah. you guys obviously have a much more business focus. Yeah. It's when we report on Microsoft, like Microsoft made this decision. Yeah. And mm. somewhere on the back end, it's just like, yeah. or these, like, this dude's name, this dude's name is Michael Wolf. Like, <laughs> or this dude, like, Wolf showed up yeah. and, like, bought a big chunk of your company, yeah. fired a bunch of people, yeah. helicoptered yes. new people, and then left and was like, thanks for the millions. Yeah. I mean, that, this is, like, why I wrote this book, I mean, yeah. just because, like, these are humans at the, at the other end of this who yeah. are, like, just doing crazy things and living through crazy times and making whoppers of decisions like i mean just to me like the story that i love talking about is terry semmel thinking that he can outsmart mark zuckerberg by like forcing him to take a deal for 150 million dollars less than the deal he agreed to and mark zuckerberg so so they had a deal done deal to buy facebook for a billion dollars and mark zuckerberg did not want to sell his company but his he promised his board that if he ever got an offer for a billion dollars yeah he'd sell the company so, so the deal's done. It's a billion dollars. He walks into Yahoo, and Terry's uh, Terry Semmel, who's like a famous, uh, famous for being a tough negotiator in Hollywood in his career prior to Yahoo. He's all like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him to take a smaller deal." Comes in, says, "You know, Mark, I'm sorry. It's gonna be 850 million dollars. It's the best we can do." You know, Semmel's like thinking, "Like, oh, he's gonna take that. That's 850 million dollars. He's like 22 years old. He's gonna take it." Zuckerberg just goes, "Ha!" Just like, <laughs> you know, he's like, "Gotcha." He's, he's 
out of there. He left. He goes back to Facebook's headquarters and he high fives Duskin Moskovitz and he's like, "We don't have to sell. We did it. We're, we're on our way." <laughs> oh and man! Now, and now, now, what is Facebook like? Two hundred billion plus right, in yeah. Yahoo's struggling along. I mean, not to say that necessarily would have been great, but I just love like getting down into like the 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 moments where these like human people make mistakes that 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 oof. massive ripple. Effects. Yeah. Definitely. So what are let's, so let's talk about Marissa at, at, at Yahoo now because yeah. that's really. Your book is third. It's like the rise of Marissa, the transition into power, yeah. and like what I would call the current period, which yeah. is what 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 are you doing, Marissa? <laughs> yeah. What's up, Marissa? How are you going to do it? <laughs> yeah. You know, she's. I mean, she's an incredible person. Extreme. I would say no one in the world prepares better than her. Yeah. You know, like sh- if she needs to be prepared for something, she will know it inside and out. But I mean, it's just like mind boggling. Um, she works extremely hard. She's pretty creative. Uh, and she did some amazing things at Yahoo. She went in and got like, I don't, I imagine none of us use Yahoo apps, but Mm -hmm. just think about this. When she got there, there were no native apps for iOS. I mean, like they had like garbage, like, um, they had those terrible, uh, hybrid apps that were like reliant on web pages, HTML five and what have you. It was just garbage. And so she went in and said, this is garbage. And now they have all pretty nice workings, fluent apps. I mean, like they're not extremely popular, but they're all better than they were. I mean, Um, she bought, do you know this story? When we had our old office, which was near the business insider office, Mm -hmm. there was a company next to us. What was the name of that? Stamped. Stamped. First Uh, Aqua Hire. uh, So Stamped was literally, they were the office next door. We could hear their weird ass piano music (laughs) in our office. (laughs) Uh, You remember that? It was crazy. It was weird. It was strange. Uh, and one day we just like we look on Instagram and there's a picture of Marissa Meyer with the stamp. <laughs> and we're like, like, oh, we she was like, on went our outside. Floor. We like opened the door. Like Marissa, <laughs> 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 like, what are you doing? But she so she brought it. She bought all this talent. It kind of an incredible premium. Yeah, she did. She paid um, about. A million dollars per engineer for every one of these aqua hires. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so and then she made like forty of them. So you can right. start. It starts to add up, right? And yeah. then she obviously bought Tumblr, right? Which, as far as I can tell, is ridiculously independent of Yahoo. It is. Yeah, they're they're, they're stridently independent. Like there was, I was around at a executive uh, during a conference recently, and like someone said, "Oh, you're at Yahoo," and the person said, "No." Tumblr, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, you know, even during this net neutrality thing, I, there was a great story in the Washington Post just now about how uh, uh, Tumblr CEO was sitting next to Obama, hmm. just like arguing for net neutrality at dinner. Wow. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I've been plugged into that story a long time, and what I've heard over and over again is basically people around Tumblr and in Tumblr saying. Yeah, we're doing this, and like maybe we're all going to be fired mm. because this is not necessarily Yahoo's position. Yeah, but for us, like to make Tumblr strong, mm. like this is where we came from. This is what we believe. Yeah, and we're running with it. And yeah. David Carp is like, Yo, Barry, <laughs> <laughs> but Title Two, right? Yes, like, uh, and that it's just funny because they're just like we're doing it. Like this, this is important to us, and like we're not telling Yahoo. What we're I doing. think that's the way they're running it. Yeah. Totally. And but so that's the, as far as I can tell, the most successful. The fact that Yahoo as a business, yeah is negative value and Tumblr right. sitting within it. That's a good point. It oh, tells wow. you like a mm. ton about yeah, like God, the that's rest right. of That's Yahoo. another asset you could put in the some of the parts. Like Tumblr's surely worth something. Yeah. 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 Like you right. could just buy a Yahoo and be like, okay, everything's shut down. Yeah. Uh, this Amazing. is like when I used to work at. I told Great you I was going to transition this. That's a good well. point. You should put that in your book. I, <laughs> too late. Uh, too bad you printed too it on late. Dread Tees. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, like I know. No, it's <laughs> weird. Wah, wah. I, I could do a whole other podcast about the weirdness of books. Oh, we should do that one too. Yeah. Uh, so we should wrap this up a little bit. We okay. we promised you we don't take a little bit of your time. Oh, I can hang out. I'm just kidding. It's fun. <laughs> it's a fun podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? 
we we there's a a common report pitch at the Verge, mm. which is just basically like WTF blank, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like WTF phones nice. like that. We, that comes up a lot. Yeah, uh, WTF 4K TVs. Yeah. Like that's another one. Mm-hmm. So WTF Yahoo. Yeah, oh, WTF Yahoo. So just I mean, what am I saying? Like what? what what's that? Is this company going to survive? Like oh, yeah. here's so mm-hmm. I used to work for AOL. You used to report on AOL by, by <laughs> calling me and fishing for quotes. Uh, this is true. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell that. I never gave you anything. No, never. Until I quit, and then I gave you everything. <laughs> uh, uh, so AOL is like AOL is going through whatever rocky yeah. time it's going through. But yeah. it still has uh, <laughs> grandmothers who don't know better paying for dial-up. Yes, it does. It's amazing. Uh, billions of dollars there. Yeah. Uh, Tim Armstrong, another ex-Googler, yeah. powerful ex-Googler, running a media. AOL and Yahoo are like mirrored twins. They're pretty similar. Yeah. Um, they're you know both old school media companies. Uh, Webmail providers, portals, <laughs> Webmail providers, that's toolbars. I mean, that's what Yahoo bars. is. That's what it is. It's a webmail provo- provider. Right. It's amazing. Uh, that's the saddest thing. It's a webmail <laughs> provider that runs. Wait, it's a declining. It's a declining product in category, and that's why Yahoo's declining. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, <laughs> no. So Tim Armstrong goes to AOL. Yeah. He makes his disastrously failed media play the yeah. AOL way, yeah. which is literally the reason I quit and my job pa- at AOL. And, and Patch. And Patch. Yeah. Oh, patch. God bless Patch. Uh, <laughs> Hundreds of millions of dollars down the drain. Right. So he makes his whatever his two big failed media plays. Yeah. I would say directly leads to the creation of The Verge, which <laughs> yeah. is delightful. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Thanks, Tim. That was good nice to hear. Yep. Um, this place is nice. It's good. It's, yeah. uh, I, I would say, again, I, I said this to you earlier, snack game, not as strong as Business Insider. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to use some of our, our dirty new media money to get better at I know. That. Uh, just raise the pile, I think. But anyway, but but then he, he what none of that worked. Yep. I mean, they're actually shutting down blogs at AOL now. Mm-hmm. But he invested heavily into pretty boring ad tech yeah. services. Yeah. And it's paying off, as yeah. far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, he had a come to Jesus moment, which is like we were talking about this Dan Loeb guy who went in and just stirred stuff up at mm-hmm. um at at Yahoo. Uh same thing happened at AOL. I mean, this Starboard, which mm-hmm. is actually interestingly now turns its sights on Yahoo, Starboard went into AOL and said you got to shut this patch thing down. You have got to rationalize HuffPost. You got to like do something about these, um, these patents you have. And then AOL sold its patents, which were for like a billion dollars. And then it sort of just got, it got, got rid of patch and actually just got rid of it because of these investors. And then, um, Tim, yeah, he got into like real boring behind the scenes, yeah. but actually profitable businesses in ad tech right. and realize that it's pretty good to be number two or three to, to Google and Facebook and ad tech and like, just do that. And and now actually sort of uh, Marissa Meyer and Yahoo are sort of pivoting into the same space. I mean, they just bought this company called bright roll before that they bought flurry. These are ad tech plays. They're trying to take this massive audience they have and uh, use technology to make it so they can charge slightly higher ad prices. Right. You know, like I saw something crazy, which is that per every mobile user, Facebook gets $2 in ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and per every mobile user, Yahoo gets 44 cents. You know, So that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's both a, a terrible state of affairs and also an opportunity. So here's the last question. And I think this is, in, in terms of this, like, I'm going to call them the wolf pack. Yeah. That's like pretty good. Yeah. That's uh, good. This wolf pack of activist investors. Yeah. It feels like the next thing you're going to want is for mm-hmm. Yahoo to be able to just... Finally, just become one. Yeah, they just mash up these companies that have looked the same forever. They've demanded it actually yeah. in, pub- in, in public letters to Meyer, and um, there's a big. I mean, there's big. So what you don't you see these like activist ones who are big in public, but there are like very big ones behind the scenes who own mm-hmm. huge shares of Yahoo, and they're 
pushing Meyer to take this deal. They want her. They're talking to the board. They're like, you really should do this. You should you should sell to 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 AOL. You should, you know, even if it means Tim Armstrong should be the CEO. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen because Meyer has a board that trusts her and they like her. And she right. may tell these um, investors to go suck an egg and say, like, you know, this is what you're getting. If you don't right. like if you don't like this, sell the stock. Wow. That's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if only I had that ability. I know. I want. Her, I, re- I, I really, I really want her to do that. Yeah. You know, I want her to come out and be like, "Listen, our plan is to be try to be a high flyer again. We have billions of dollars. We're going to invest. We're going to do it. If you don't want to buy this stock, don't buy this stock. Um, and if you want to try to fire me, try to fire me. See who else is going to run this thing. And so, and <laughs> I mean, so, that's like a dare at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but also she's got seven hundred million dollars, and, and she would be a hero. And also, uh, you know, maybe she could do it. If she can't, you know, it's like uh, yeah, Yahoo is pretty messy in the first place. And yeah. so, someone goes, someone will go and buy it. Well, that's actually that's the sort of the last piece yeah. of your book is look at all these smart people who try to fix Yahoo. Exactly. I mean, that was like real quick. The one of the big lessons I learned is like people looked at Terry Samuel. We just talked about him before, um, Hollywood executive came and tried to run Yahoo. People looked at Carol Bartz and they said, "What a bunch of idiots! Like old doddering fools." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I researched this book. I found out that those were actually really excellent, bright people who just um, got put in charge of a company that has from the beginning, not had like a coherent purpose, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's made it very difficult to run. It's also called Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> Yahoo. Oh, right. Come on, man. <laughs> Google's <laughs> called Google. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's Google used to have an exclamation point because Yahoo had one. Yeah. Right. It's delightful. Yeah. All right. You should buy the book. If you're listening to podcasts, <laughs> thank you. You should Marissa Meyer in the fight to save Yahoo. Yeah. F- <laughs> find an affiliate link on our website. So we get a cut of this <laughs> dirty money. Yeah. We don't have any of those, but maybe next time we yeah. will. Uh, but Nick, thank you for coming thank on you. the show. Yes. Thank Great you. Guys. To have you. Sam, you've got to read some copy about Snapchat. All right. See you guys. John, let me know when to do. Oh, okay. oh, come on. Hey. Yeah. Um, okay. We're so bad at transitions. Hey, we're, we're doing a thing. Thanks, All right. Nick. So as you guys know, uh, the verge is on Snapchat. We are the real verge there and we've had our account for five months now. And I want to know what you guys think of the account. We are uh, doing a bunch of new things recently. We did, like, food with Phil yesterday. We did this new music thing with Lizzie. But I want to know what you want to see, what's worked, what you hated, what stuck with you, what was funny, what do you want to see more of, who do you want to see more of. Uh, and let me know. Email me. I'm Sam at TheVerge.com. Or you can just tweet at me. I'm at Sam Sheffer on Twitter. And add us on Snapchat, what? The Real Verge, oh. and we're going to have fun. Did you just self promo? Yeah, you just just. Hey guys, it's Machiavellian man. I mean, how, how are they so going to get in touch so, with me? No, Sam, Sam, Sam published like, a Snapchat uh, news story on theverge.com today, and he put the big giant follow the real Verge. And as I was scrolling down, I was fifty percent sure that it was going to be Sam's own Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. Oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, hey, guess who's hey. guess who's back? Hello. <laughs> I realized it's an audio podcast. So <laughs> yeah, the just... full pantomime I was going to do for the episode really is yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Chris Plant, how you doing? <laughs> He's doing great because we 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 won the internet back. We did. Yeah. We, so here, yeah. this is so we got to do some news. Okay. Ne- I mean, yeah. great. We're talking Yahoo's. Talking Yahoo's. Not news. Talking history. We didn't hype check Yahoo. Oh yeah, hype check Yahoo, dude. 
Tumblr was a good purchase for them. Uh, <laughs> Be, wait, because it's Tumblr. I'm, oh, not yeah. for any other reason. Guys, today we're getting business, Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, corporate Sam. It's corporate Sam. Corporate Sam. Corp Sam. Corporate Sam. Corp Sam. Uh, Corp Sam. Sam Corp. I, I just feel Sam, like... Those, Sam Corp. <laughs> Sam Corp. Wait, wait, wait. Do the hype check. By the way, I came up, and just so everybody knows before the show, because we have, we have what I would call an inherent conflict at The Verge. Mm-hmm. A fight for the, the, the attention that defines our brand, which is what is the difference between beef... And or bust and hype check. Yeah, like beef or bust is a thing, and then like hype check is like also a thing. Right. Oh, by the way, in this Snapchat synergy, synergy Snapchats, beef or bust is a show oh, yes. that Sam Sam and is the host of with yeah. Chris with Chris Sigler equal, on our Snapchat right, right. Yeah. co-host. Yes. So you can watch beef or bust. I would say up to thirty-five times a day on our Snapchat, and it's it gets better every time you uh, watch it. It it continues every time I watch it. Um, but then yeah. on on this show on the Vergecast we have hype check. And the, the di- from what I can tell, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. The difference is, beef or bust is a binary. Yes. Uh, so like, is this good or bad? Correct. And you right. can only answer with, with the beef or the bust. Beef yeah. being a positive, bust being a thumbs down. Right. Uh, hype check started out pretty similar because it was like hype or not hype. Yeah. But what has <laughs> it's evolved into bizarre. You don't know what you're going to get. Right. It's, it's more like opening a fortune. Right. Sorry, I figured it out. <laughs> I, know, I think it's, it's a hype hype check is you you want to you want to look at the, you know, the the asset plan for the company. No, right? no, it's like teenage. Wanna, I, need, I need to look at the I'd like to study your cap table. I need to see the revenues okay. what did you last quarter. No, here's here's I think what it is. And I've thought about <laughs> I thought about it. All right? I've thought about it. Uh, a hype check. Here's what he knows about hype check. Here's what okay. I know. A hype check is a mathematical kind of uh, equation. Sure. Where it's it's hype divided by reality equals a check. Right. So the like the iPhone six has a lot of hype, oh, okay. but there's a lot of good reality there. Sure. So yeah. as a hype check index of point nine, I don't know. Oh no, it's hype minus reality. So, like, you want reality divided by hype, and it's golf. So, you want the lowest score. So, if you have a, a if you have a, a hype of a hundred and you have a reality of ninety nine, then you get a one. Oh. That's no, I think want, it should be division, and I also oh, think right. the scale so needs it to be division. The scale, no the, scale the scale needs to be like Richter <laughs> scale, exponential, <laughs> right? So, right, a hype right, of ten right. has to be ten times more hype than nine. So, Sam, okay, Sam, here's what I want. Can I hype check my definition of hype check? No. Here's what I want. For the rest of this show, when we say hype check, uh-huh. I want you to do some math in your head. Oh, my God. Wait. Arrive at a number. He's I, not, <laughs> I literally, for people who can't see this, he literally turned to his computer as if he was going to do math. What is the formula for hype check? I, Neil, I define the formula. I think it is hype over reality equals check. Hype divided by reality, and that gives okay. you your your hype and, percentage. And what is your metric mm. percentage? Hype percentage. No, but shouldn't the result be the hype check? Okay, here I, I here, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to say that if anyone is you, is aware of our program and how we end it, shouldn't it be swagger divided by sweat equals hype? <laughs> We're done. We're done with this. I want to talk about telecom policy. Okay, we've killed Sam. So- oh my god, Peter, that was probably the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Oh my god! All right, oh all right. Let's god. talk. Let's 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 talk some some FCC. By the way, give us five stars in iTunes and <laughs> tell us what the stupid formula should be. Yeah. What is a hype wow. check? We need a mathematical formula. I I gave a great one. You gave a formula. Oh, form the hype on a hundred point scale. 
hundred million the best it already. Pipe. Okay, yeah, but there, it needs to be more complicated. We're no, gonna, it doesn't. Yeah. It works great. We're gonna give it to the people. Anyway, yeah. we won. Uh, we, okay. we won the internet this week. There we go. We did win the internet, and the reason we're giving it to the people is because we won. Because we won. The people the are the internet transitions. <clears throat> yeah, the reason that we're giving it to the people is the people's voice was heard by our, our government, and that voice said. Choose one law and not another <laughs> choose, law. <yes. laughs> choose this part of a piece of paper and not another part of a piece of paper. So that's what happened this week. So finally after – and this is, I think – this is, for me, this is crazy. Like there's like – my personal history is wrapped up in this. Like I published – Almost Inter- a year ago, exactly. Almost the, in February 20th or something of 2014, yeah. I published The Internet is Fucked uh, because I was basically like – because that's how I felt. Yep. Um, also, it was true. At that moment, it was true. So yeah. the FCC had lost <laughs> in court about the, the, over the first set of net neutrality rules because the legal standing was too weak. Uh, immediately after that, every ISP in the country started, like, doing bad, weird stuff. Uh, Comcast started uh, – Comcast keeps always um, promising that it will obey net neutrality rules. So that's when they started throttling Netflix, and then Netflix played, and Netflix speeds went back up. AT&T started doing sponsored data. Um just silly stuff. Like, do you remember what was it? Hangouts was going to be preloaded on Android phones, oh, but it couldn't be. Yeah. And T Mobile's music thing, too. Yeah, well, that T- came later. But that was a little yeah. bit later. Uh, this is, there was like some ridiculous thing where um, Hangouts oh, video chat, like the- Hangouts video, wasn't going to be preloaded on Android phones on ATT, but you could install it from the App Store. And it was ATT was like, we don't allow preloaded apps until we approve them. And it was like, what's the difference between a preloaded app and one that comes on the app store? And AT&T was like, we control our network. Yeah. And that was, it was just like cr- all this crazy stuff. Like, why wouldn't you let Google just build an app on its phone, on its platform, right? Like, and it was just this moment, I think, it, in early 2014, where it felt like all was lost. And these carriers would be able to completely control what devices we used, what apps we used, what services we wanted to use, how we were – like. There's no competition. How are we going to pay for them? And there was just a massive outcry. Like, we want these rules. Uh, and a year later, uh, after basically thinking it was not going to happen for the, long, of the longest time, uh, the president said, we're going to do the rules. And finally, FCC announced yesterday, Tom Wheeler, chairman of the FCC, said, we're going to use Title II of the Telecommunications Act, which is what people have wanted for a decade, to regulate the Internet like the utility that you know it is. And that actually doesn't even do anything yet. That's the funniest part about it. It doesn't create net neutrality rules yet. It just it's the piece of paper that says you have permission to make. These yeah, it's rules. a piece of paper that says the FCC is going to do its job, basically. Although you know, like uh, when was the Janet Jackson Super Bowl? The FCC's job yeah. at that time right. was to like regulate nudity on TV. So right. like it has been a <laughs> long road, right? Like when people when like I don't know like doddering old ladies like see a swear word on t- or hear a swear word on tv they like write a letter to someone it's the fcc yeah that used to be their job can i do that for the internet now yes no. so, so that's like so that's, beef ugh, so, that's so that so admittedly that's the worry right like the previous the reason i brought up Janet jackson is like the previous thing that the fcc got the most letters about ever was like a boob on television and so this whole agency Good job, America. <laughs> and now they're getting letters about whether or not Comcast should be regulated. And the fear and Comcast is able to do this is uh, and it's a, it is an argument that can be made. Um, 
that the FCC will start to regulate the content of the internet, right? They'll, they'll start to regulate Facebook and this and that. And I think that I personally think that's ridiculous. Um, I think the FCC thinks that's ridiculous. Like that the goal is to protect the, the, the marketplace from the monopoly of the providers, not to regulate the marketplace. But you can definitely make that argument. I think that is going to be where the sort of Republicans who are reflexively anti-Obama. Can we talk about that ad that came out today? No, I didn't see the it. The Republican ad? You haven't seen this? No. So I, I believe it was the GOP released a YouTube video that is this this scene, mm-hmm. but also implies that uh, if net neutrality uh, is approved in any capacity, that your wife won't be able to have sex with the guy who installs your internet? Yeah, it, it is literally... That's literally... It, the video, if you didn't know what the video was and you played the first 40 seconds, it is a porn video. It's, yeah, it, it's the beginning of like... Wait, I'm so it's like, it's like It's like a mother is home, or a wife is home. It's like this looks like... Just this big generic suburban home, and then the a guy shows up who I guess is like a repairman, but he's here to install the internet, and they like they emphasize that, and then a nerd because of course yeah uh, a nerd comes up and he's like um actually I'll have to document this entire process and he's like. I'm here for the government. And then like eight more nerds show up and then they're like, oh, you have a smart refrigerator. We'll have to write that down. And the whole like arc of the video is because they can't actually say what is going to happen is like, we'll write that down. Like this weird implication <laughs> that things are going to happen because they write yeah. it down. And they're like, oh, you, you have a webcam. You're going to have to use this webcam. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Wait, what? Like, these are all the fears that I had if Comcast had utter rage. Yeah, yeah, right. You literally, you could replace the video and just, like, put Comcast and After Effects onto all these people's shirts. It's like, yes, that that was the fear. Right. What is this? Also, that's, like, um, that's real for mobile carriers, right? Like, you go to AT&T and and they're like, you want that phone? What about this mildly rebranded phone with worse software? Right? Like... That's already happening. Yeah. yeah Comcast is like, you want to watch TV? Here's a box from 1975. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, you are stuck that, with it. This shit's real. Like, <laughs> I, it, it, what's funny is all the – so this is I, – I think I've told this story like four times now, right? Um, I don't know if I remember. I don't remember if I told them on this show last week. But we – I went to a conference last week about a tele- telecom policy conference. Um, and there was a Republican congresswoman speaking. Uh, and she was saying literally all of the right things in a really significant way. And the, after she spoke, the conversation at the conference was you can't fight the people anymore, right? Like regardless of political affiliation, everybody hates their internet provider. That's true. And they're saying we want the government to protect us from the market monopoly of the internet provider um, because what is real – I mean – it's a monopoly. There's no getting around it. If you are Comcast and you put wires in the ground in a city of 100,000 people, you have 100,000 potential customers. If you are Verizon and you want to come in that market, you're not going to capture the entire market. So you're, everybody's customer base gets smaller in an area. And eventually you're just not – like it won't ever be economic for a fifth, fourth or fifth or – right? Like right. you won't get a big market of choices because every, no one's going to chase a market of 20,000, right? Or a potential market of 20,000. So everybody is naturally, consumers know that this is a, a monopoly and they want protection from it. And they've demanded it so loudly that both sides of the political spectrum know they can't say it's a bad idea anymore. 
So now they're just arguing about how to do it, which is great, except the way that we should do it is not to like do what the Republicans are doing now, quite honestly. And like, we wrote a slapdash law. Let's pass this and that'll shut you up. And the fact that it's become politicized like that, I think, is really short sighted. And politicizing it like literally the thing Title II says you can't do is block or, you know, the net neutrality rules that will go under effect under Title II is no blocking of lawful devices and applications. It is the number one thing it says. Yeah. And everybody, there is not a single person on either side of the spectrum. Uh, Michael Powell, who is the Republican commissioner of the FCC, was the first person that passed no blocking rules. Right. And he was also the Janet Jackson commissioner. Yeah. So he's yeah. the one who started moving the agency because he thought that was pretty funny. It's a really great time for politicizing random things, though, in America. We're coming That's off of like fair. off of a good six years of like everything being divided. But now some issues are popping up where they don't naturally divide. Yeah. Like this is, is a guys, great one. Guys, vaccines, vaccines is a great is one. A really great where one. It's like a thing that I associate with liberals. Yeah, but it's now it's become a conservative thing. It's, it's a really fun Live on the Vergecast, I'm getting in a fight with Mark Cuban about net neutrality. Just Wait, wait, wait Neil, 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 have you seen the tweet? No, I haven't seen the tweet. Dear FCC, you just set back online implementations of virtual reality 10 years. That's crazy. Uh, I, it's, mm, where I he, know. Is he listening to us? Uh, he No, he just replied. I retweeted him and said, no, that's not true. And, great. This is a great time to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm not, at least I'm not shopping. I will sure, say that sure. we, we have gotten into many, many fights on this show on Twitter. Yeah. Like, we should ban Twitter on this show, but it's like, we should just not use computers. On you could also maybe the just number, stop fighting with Mark Cuban. What is it with you guys? Like, it's, you guys like there. No, it's like this. Like, you know who I really want to fight with all day? I want to fight with Gawker. Somebody who's on, like, a Trump show. I want to fight with, like, Gawker writers, right? But that's, like, punching down. Mark Cuban is at least wow. punching up. Right? Like, whatever. Like, cool. Cool, dumb idea, guys. Like, great. I'm not paying attention to you. You're twice your size. Oh, Mark Cuban's like a billionaire. God. He owns a basketball team. He has a jet. He has a standing order for the biggest TV anyone can make. Like, that's punching up. Okay. You fight also, that guy. that's awesome. What? Just Yeah, no, what? I'm saying. Like, that's... All that's cool. No, the like, last part is super awesome. No, it's true. He does. He has a standing order for... Like, if any company makes a bigger TV than the one he has... <laughs> like, it shows up. It shows yeah, it just up. appears. They all know it. There was, like, a really great run... Uh, sort of in the like 2005, 2008, when the HD transition was like really kicking off, when every like literally we'd go to CES and uh, like Panasonic would be like, "We made a bigger TV. Mark Cuban's getting it." And he'd be like, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Cool, that's awesome for me." <laughs> uh, all right, do we, do we continue talking about net neutrality? Here's yes. so here's so there's a few things left to say about it. One, the rules are not yet out. Right, there's a he announced he was going to do it, and that was a big deal. And everyone, we wrote a lot of stuff yesterday. Um, I would say our audience's uh, appetite for telecom policy stories a bit surprising. Yeah, but you guys love it, so we're going to keep doing it. Um, but then there's going to be the actual order, the proposed order, which we are expecting basically to leak any day. Yeah. Uh, the reason it's going to leak and not just be published is because so there's five commissioners of the FCC. Three of them are Democrats, two of them are Republicans. He's going to, Tom Wheeler is going to distribute uh, this order and they're going to negotiate. Right. And because he desperately needs the two votes from the other two Democrats to pass this, because Republicans definitely aren't, there's going to be a little back and forth. Right. They get, they're going to pass some leverage. Then there'll be a real order, then that will pass. And then Verizon will immediately sue the FCC. Like, oh, that's the, the path. Yep. And they'll sue the FCC for two reasons. One, they'll say reclassification is illegal. You don't have the power to do it. So that's, probably going to be a loser because the court just said, said they do yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then they're going to say uh, all these Title II – this is nerdy. So Title II is a long law. It was um, – it, it literally like regulates rates for like long-distance service and all this stuff. Right. The FCC is going to selectively – they have the authority to selectively cross out parts of it and only enforce parts of it. Yeah, and so this is why um, like Comcast and Time Warner's stock jumped when the news came out. And it was like, what? Why, why would your stock jump? I thought you were against this. But – the FCC said we're not going to apply the like rate regulation that's entitled to to cable companies. You guys can charge whatever the hell you want. And there was like, oh, whew, we're cool. Yeah. And so that's why. And they, yeah, so those big cable company stocks like they're, they just spiked as soon as the news came out. Right. And so we'll, we'll, well, that, which is crazy, right? It's crazy because right? to me, then what, uh, maybe t- tell me if I'm wrong here because I'm going to speak for a normal. All right. <laughs> A norm? If I saw that, norm cast? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for Norm McDonald. Um, <laughs> I invest in a company like Google, which is if spreading— If you're going Norm McDonald, you got to get way more nasal. <laughs> I can't even do it. Okay. I was going to do a Dennis Miller instead. Um, but I invest in a company like Google, which I see going into cities with faster internet, cheaper mm-hmm. internet, and mm-hmm. better services mm-hmm. that's reliable. Mm-hmm. I don't go like, great, these— sorry, evil, essentially, companies that are using awful rates— and exploiting people again and again and again, and they're not going to be controlled regarding that. I don't. I don't see like. I, I, it just boggles my mind in investing in them because, like, great, they can still be evil. Because oh, as we're well, seeing with Google, I mean, is it spreading like wildfire? Yeah, and well, it's are, not quite wildfire. People it's, are jumping to it fast and hard when it comes to their towns. It's a Even smoldering. AT&T is getting better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, it's amazing what a little competition yeah, will be. Actually, the municipal stuff is the thing that I'm... The municipal broadband is what I'm actually really excited about. Yeah. Um, anyway, but we're getting a little bit off track. So Title II, it's got a whole list of rules that were designed <laughs> oh, to right. regulate phone companies. And, and they're going to selectively things. cross some of them out, and they're going to selectively enforce them. And every decision, I'm sure... Like, Verizon is... Verizon, it's funny. We pick on Comcast the most because Comcast is the most easily picked on. Like they're the biggest, they're the big gorilla. Verizon is the most litigious in its way, and they're the evilest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just gonna say it, they're the evilest, uh, and they're the evilest for this reason. Although they don't, they don't rename their customers. That's true. Asshole. Comcast, Comcast <laughs> has like massive customer service problems. Yeah. But um, the re- the reason that I would pick on Verizon the most is they're. The old net neutrality rules were in effect, and the only company that like like just wouldn't have it that like went to court and just beat them down was Verizon. Verizon operates uh, its proprietary wireless networks, right? So even um, Google, if you remember this, there was a big wireless spectrum auction. Uh, Google bid a bunch of money to trigger a clause in the auction rules that said 700 megahertz LTE had to be open access, so you could use any device you want. Verizon has never ever ever let that happen uh like you know verizon is just they're very proprietary about their network now you get what you pay for i think verizon has the best wireless network they have the most expensive one um but in a world of choice like once you are are on verizon's platforms and networks Mm -hmm. you're not going any verizon's the one that blocked google wallet remember the nexus oh yeah uh the nexus one was that gonna have google wallet it wasn't the one that was later nexus s i think it was the galaxy nexus galaxy Galaxy nexus Nexus, that's what it was that's what it was man we should just do a timeline of those. 
Those were I great mean, phones. We can yeah, we can go medium. way back with Verizon. I, I was they're getting in fights with them phones. in like 2008 about screens. about GPS on Windows mobile devices. They were blocking the GPS chip, the hardware chip on phones that you bought right. where it wouldn't work. Uh, we used to. There was an entire series. I remember the series of posts on Gadget where Verizon was fighting against having Wi-Fi enabled on their phones. Yeah, because they wanted you to definitely use a Verizon network, and their argument was insane. It was. We guarantee you that no matter where you are, the Verizon network is better than your Wi-Fi. And it's like, dude, you are running like a 3G network. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, you're wrong. And like, they lost that battle, right? Well, they lost the battle because their customers are like, this is stupid. Yeah. Because their customers are like, yo, I'm going to go to AT&T where uh, there's an iPhone. Yeah. Right? Like, Verizon, like, literally was not doing opening up the devices to Wi-Fi until, like, the iPhone pressured them basically into doing it. Uh, I mean, like... These are companies that are built around <laughs> like command and control. What is happening? There, there's a big ass Verizon ad on our website. Right? Nice. Why are we talk about it. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's great. I'm gonna <laughs> shut up about Verizon now. Yeah. Verizon's the best, you guys. <laughs> there was a phone where they blocked. Evil. <laughs> there was a phone where they blocked Bluetooth because they were afraid. They knew that people were using it to tether their PDAs to the phones, and so they wouldn't let their phones have Bluetooth. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is the. And the reason that this is, I'm bringing up Verizon Wireless in particular is uh, these rules for the first time will regulate mobile networks the same mm-hmm. way we regulate wired networks. And the argument over and over again. And if you ever want to get Chris Ziegler like really mad, you like get, you like pump him full of booze and you say Spectrum Crunch, uh, and then he like starts getting more mad at you because um, their argument is always like Spectrum is a finite resource. It's yep. so valuable. We pay so much money for it. We've got it's so different. It's magic what we do to put. Data in the air. That's how it's like they're wizards and they only have so many spell charges in their wand. Uh, And and so they're like, so their whole thing is we need to be able to zero rate the music service, like all this crap they do. And basically, we're at the point where mobile networks are so much more important than wired networks. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, you know, it's some crazy number. It's like 70% of like access is through mobile now. That the FCC is like, look, if we're going to do it, we're doing it to everything. Yeah, they have to. And so then you're going to see a lot of lawsuits there. But, but I mean, the the assuming, like, the best case scenario, as near as I can tell, is all these lawsuits happen, Verizon fights, and the FCC, like, wins everything. Hooray. We're still in a place where the FCC is going to be making lots of weird little judgment calls that, like, we have to keep an eye on. Like, right. like they, they said that they were going to pay attention to zero rating of data. So this is like the thing where T-Mobile lets you listen to music for free. They're going to look at that stuff on a case-by-case basis. They're not going to allow sponsored data, I think. I think sponsored data is out the, out the window. Right. But like there's like – it's a whole lot of like, well, we have the authority and now we're going to draw some bright lines. But then I know – we know you want to do this terrible stuff. And so we're just going to like see how it goes. <laughs> Which is – I mean, fine. Which is fine. Like it's that's a way better situation than where we were headed before, I guess – uh, Barack Obama pressured Tom Wheeler into changing his mind. Like I like that 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 process of what did Wheeler really want to do this in the first place? Was he did he put out that original terrible proposal because no. he knew? Like I I have to assume that he genuinely had to change positions here, right? I think there's a good story in the Washington Post. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where basically the president had two aides who secretly developed a net neutrality plan, uh, and like the real push in. Everyone right now is taking credit for this, so it, like it, it kind of <laughs> depends on who your sources are. Um, but according to this post story, and according to some people that I've talked to, um, the real push came from basically like New York startup tech companies, right? Because your Apples and your Googles and what have you, they're big enough to pay. 
So they're, they're not like, like Google spends a lot of money on lobbying, but they were not like at the forefront of the net neutrality fight because they'll just pay. You run YouTube, like you're going to pay. You're going to be fine. But if you are uh, Tumblr, so David Karp, we were talking about this uh, with Nick, like David Karp, like personally petitioned the president. Uh, he's like, Tumblr's built on this. Etsy is like a big company that's like fighting for net neutrality because they're like, look, we can't increase costs to our sellers who are just people in their garages like making stuff. If our costs to distribute content go up because Comcast and Verizon want to charge us to get faster, we're just going to pass that cost down to our sellers who are trying to like build small businesses. And Etsy is who they have to drag out if this does get politicized because if there's one thing that wins, it's jobs. Right. And yeah. and like down-home jobs. Yeah. And and that's exactly who I, – I mean I'm, I'm happy to hear that because Silicon Alley I think is the right <laughs> phrase. But they've been – I wish I could remember the name of the people who worked under Bloomberg. But the work that has been coming out of that team – is nuts yeah uh, and doesn't get nearly enough attention the made in new york people yeah, yeah, yeah. just because they, they they do so much work and it's it's such a different uh i would say not repugnant culture right compared to what we've seen out of san francisco right and it's totally unsurprising to hear that they would be involved because etsy's like way at the front of it and, and i know people who work at etsy and they're like wonderful and they're just they're they are they're the ones who like really really pushed and said we are building market you know there's a thing I, we've talked about this on the show before the difference between New York companies and San Francisco companies is that you have to actually like, make it in New York. <laughs> right? right. Like, it's real. Like there's a lot of people here. So if you're building a company that depends on a lot of people using your thing, like either it's going to happen right away for you in New York or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Eli, can we, can we circle back for one second? I just had yeah. a question about this. So if net neutrality and that whole bill passes and the internet is a utility and all that stuff, Netflix pays, Comcast, right? There's like money exchange there for giving them like <laughs> faster speeds. Will that continue to happen if this bill is passed? Yeah. I mean, so there's Ben Popper is like deep in this game. So there's the last mile question of net neutrality of like, can your retail ISP provide you stuff? And then there's like the backbone interconnect peering question. Uh, so this proposal, as far as we can tell, regulates the whole chain. Yep. Um, but even at those interconnects, like there's, there's just a lot to unpack there, right? Those are those are big, complicated, hairy business deals that have traditionally like either not involved money or involved a lot of. There's it's so we don't know. Ben's going to do a, a big series, I think, of reporting against that because that right. You can there's a lot of people who will make a very persuasive argument that the Netflix problem with Comcast was not about Comcast. It was about Netflix choosing crappy mm. providers on their end. And underpaying a company called Cogent, mm-hmm. um, which was not able to do Netflix, uh, and then finally like, quitting and paying Comcast. Right, and we've reported on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. have we have tons of this stuff. And uh, actually, Ben and I don't like a hundred percent disagree. So I'm on this show like stridently arguing for net neutrality, and Ben has done an amazing job of reporting on the site, uh, kind of peeling apart all the layers of this onion. So, so this is like worth reading. something that's going to like unfold as this crazy thing continues. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a long way. It'll be a story of the year. I mean, this feels like the type of thing that's going to be. You know, it's funny. I think it is for us. When I talked to when when Obama, you know, issued his statement and did it on YouTube. And I was like, I saw Ezra Klein, who runs Vox. And obviously, Ezra is like deep in the politics game. I was like, this is it. Like, Obama's making his mark on the way out. And he's like, no, (laughs) 
And it's like way bigger stuff coming, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, like that dude can also just like bomb a country on his way out the door. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. So I think, <laughs> no, that's history there. I mean, for the very, I, mean, like, I can assure you things have happened this week that are probably in the real world. <laughs> yeah, right? But for us, I mean, if you think about like what the verge is and what, why the verge exists, like all of the things we want to cover and all the things we want to talk about and all the change and all the future and all that, you can't have it without an internet that allows it all to happen. Right. And the last thing you want is Comcast software. The last thing you want is AT&T software. Like if you are a listener of the Vergecast and you use AT&T's address book, I want you to send us an email. <laughs> right. Like just send not, us a note. Not, and, and we tell mean me like why. genuinely use it and, and, and don't just have it forced upon you as a, a den, this, like, right. thing sucking the <laughs> life out of your right. actual if, if address you like, book. If, yeah. Right. If you are like, yep, that's the software I'm choosing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the alien. It's the face yeah. crawler. Uh, no, if, if you book. are, and it's um, eggs are sitting. If inside you are a listener eggs. of the verge yeah, yeah. cast, like a, it, it legitimately, you're not just like riding along in a car. You're not, you're not, you haven't been kidnapped and forced to listen to this as a form of torture. Yikes. If you are Which a legitimate a listener of the show, um, yeah, it's real bad uh, for a lot of people. And I apologize. Also, those people should send me a note and we will rescue you. <laughs> uh, just tell me where you are. Uh, no, if you're a legitimate listener of the show and you uh, choose VZ Navigator over Google Maps, which watch let, me, let yeah. me know or ways just like, like let me know like i want to know why you made that choice like what it is what is wrong with your brain and then we will help you um because those are garbage products and like you know you have to pay for vz navigator on android oh my god <laughs> why would you do oh that like god. just get ways dude like just do it you uh, got google maps just right so that's what i'm saying <laughs> like there. you don't yeah. want to live in a world where these companies are making those sorts of decisions for you right um and it if we could, if you, I don't know, it, it's like, it, I keep coming back to TV because that's the last network that we all are confronted with where it is closed control, where I would love nothing more than to buy an Apple TV box or a Google TV box and plug it into my Comcast TV service and just be able to watch some TV with better interface ideas in the front of it. And they can't do it. They've never been able to do it uh, because Comcast and the cable companies completely control that chain. And you just don't want the internet to turn into television that way. Yeah. I think that's incredibly dangerous. So that's and if I'm you uh, want to hear more about the internet changing into television, there's a great piece on the all today that you should read yeah. that will break your heart. Yeah. I, I thought I, I think John Herman is one of the best writers on media, but I completely I don't, I don't know if I agree with that piece. You should read it. And I believe I will say this. I, I saw. Oh, I gotta go find this thing. Uh, you should read it. Go to the all dot com. It. It's called the future of the internet is television. It's mm-hmm. a really good piece. John that's is a great writer. <laughs> um, Kind of on the our, nose is a headline, don't you think? Yeah, well, we um, read the thing, piece. <laughs> read the read the take. Read take that. it out. <laughs> That's my new command for making people read blog oh, posts. Gosh, take please it out. Never say that ever All again. Right. We so, hit, what, what else do we have? We have we, uh, we, we, we're, we're, we're coming stuff. up on the show. So, uh, Apple photos. Dieter, you want to take us through? Uh, so, stop reading think pieces. I'm putting it in my pocket. Just <laughs> that was nerdy. This show is going to go long, John. I apologize, but we got we got to talk Apple Photos. So Apple Photos, uh, there's a developer seed, which means if you're a developer, you can look at it now. Uh, if you're not, there's a beta coming, and then after that, it's getting released in the spring. This is Apple's replacement for iPhoto and for Aperture, and it basically makes the app on your Mac look and feel and sort of generally operate the same way the Photos app on iOS 8 does. So like all like the zooming out to like the giant year year view. There's a cool thing where you can like hold the mouse button down and drag around to like see like pop-ups of all your pictures yeah. so you can find them really quickly. Um, and then it has 
pretty good editing tools. Uh, they've got this cool thing. Um, the intelligent the, slider. An intelligent slider. So it shows your picture, and then there's a slider that has, like, what will happen to your picture. Like, the if you do, like, the, the light slider, it's, like, dark on this side and light on the other yeah. side. And then you slide it around, and it just it does a really good job of brightening the photo. But when you look at it, you can expand it and see that it's doing all the crap that, like, you always do manually when you're trying to make a photo right. brighter. You're bumping up the exposure, but you're bringing down the highlights, but you're pop- popping up the shadows a little bit, and you're, like, screwing around with luminance and all that other stuff. They just figured out a way to do most of that algorithmically. They've got a crop tool that will automatically find the horizon line, rotate it, and... Like, um, unskew it. Unskew it. And then they also will adjust it slightly to fit the rule of thirds to make it look better. Yeah. Just magically. Uh, so if you're an iPhoto user, um, it's a huge improvement. It's right. a massive, huge improvement. It seems to be way faster. It's got a much nicer interface. The editing tools are much better. Uh, and there's a, it, the best part about it is it has um, – it's got this weird like – I don't know how to put it. it, it the learning curve is – not very steep like right. using the new photos app to edit photos will make you better at editing photos That's because you can you can screw around with the slider and then you can watch how it does the thing that it does and you can actually learn to understand you know the concepts of what these things are and like you can, the histogram will actually oh, become cool. a meaningful thing to you instead of a random ass graph that's attached to every photo. Yeah. Um I just moved the slider to the pointy part. Yeah, right. Like that's where the blacks go. <laughs> right. Um so it's great uh if you are hoping that it is like an aperture replacement that it's like a pro tool you're kind of out of luck. Yeah, but I think even Apple like just fine. use Lightroom. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think that's the, I think right. they've come to that conclusion. Right. But, I think the last piece of it um, is like they're going to kill Final Cut. Right. <laughs> Just use Premiere. So the, the other half of the story is uh, iCloud Photo, which basically it's a magic sync between the stuff on your phone and the stuff on your computer. And it's all finally properly where it should have been the whole freaking time <laughs> in the cloud. Uh, but you need to pay for it. Which is, makes no sense Which to is me. pretty annoying because you don't have to pay for Amazon or Google service. Right. Right. Well, um, Google, the, the highest tiers of Google don't you have to pay? If you, above a certain image size, I guess you do. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I, 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 I think Google Plus, Google, Google Plus has, yeah, I think you have unlimited storage. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's always complicated. And the other thing is if you don't opt into iCloud Photos, you can still <coughs> use my photo stream, which still has the insane arbitrary 30-day limit on um, how long your stuff stays in the cloud. I, so, so this like, is what I don't understand. Apple you, has, you should switch to it if you use an iPhone and you want to use the thing, but you're going to end up having to pay Apple for storage. If you have an Apple storage. ecosystem, you yeah. should use it and pay for storage. Right? Yeah, that's the thing. Because Casey, it's funny because Casey wrote the initial piece on photos in mm-hmm. his earlier piece this week. Was, was no, photo, <laughs> no photo storage thing can survive, yeah. Um, which is, you know, RIP Picture Life, I think, was really the right. impetus behind that story. But... Um, it, what's crazy to me is Apple is the richest company in the world. They're mm-hmm. the biggest. They have mm-hmm. the most money. They have, like, basically a small country's GDP in the bank just sitting yep. there. And it's like storage for you is free. Yeah. It's storage well, is free. And it's also, it's also this thing lives inside Apple's app ecosystem. Yes, you can, like, upload photos in iCloud, but this is not a, a like, participate in the rest of the Internet tool. You can't, like, squirt your Instagram photos into it automatically, right? You need to, like, do the work to, like, import your crap and put it in there. Wow. If you live in Apple's world, it's great. But if you don't, you need to, like, you're going to need to, like, do the same old thing that you did before where you figure out a way to get your photos off of Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. Well, that's only if you use Use it, right? (laughs) Photos just stress me out, man. Yeah, it's really stressful. I lost lost 10 gigs of photos this year or last year because I backed up my iPhoto libraries 
to Dropbox and Google Drive without doing the research to discover that both of those storage solutions don't support uh, complex databases the, the way that iPhoto does, and so the photos are just gone. What? Yep. What? I didn't. I didn't back up the raw files. I backed up the library, and it got all got corrupted. Oh my god! Yeah, that's awful. It's terrifying. So uh, yeah, the idea. I'm like, just going to start printing. So them photos all. are <laughs> photos are terrifying. They're terrifying to regular people, um, and you need to do. You need to make your photo backup into the cloud solution. Make make, make people believe that they're not going to get leaked, right? This is the thing that nobody, we need to talk about that with Apple. Uh, And you need to make sure that it is so simple and obvious of where they are, where they're going, and how you can get them that you just, you know that they're there and you're not going to lose them. Right. Solve those two problems and I will give you lots of money for your service. (laughs) I mean, it's going to, you know, it's funny because Google, Google doesn't have the native component of this that I think is required, right? Like I would love to give all my photos to Google because Google Plus stuff is really good. It's probably the best part of Google plus it's the only yeah but then i feel like it's not anywhere near me like Mm -hmm. i'm taking all these photos and they go to the cloud and i'm just like i want i don't i love google photos it's my preferred thing it's it's what i'm using too it's and it it, does everything for you it's easier i just wish that they would decouple it from google plus yeah because every time i want to grab a photo out of there it's like (laughs) yeah i just don't use it on the phone that the app is yeah, so on the iPhone, it's garbage. And then I have no, but on, a, on Android, I have a just, real camera, and I like. Yeah, on Android, it's just native. It just yeah. happens. It's yeah. great. No, on Android, yeah. it's great. But then, I, but then I have like a real <laughs> camera, and like, am I just gonna upload this in like this web client? Like, that's weird. yeah, that's what I do, man. It's great. I, don't know, I do it like whenever I have like a large batch of photos. Turn my computer on right before bed. Drop it all in there. I can literally drop thousands of photos all at once. Mm-hmm. It uploads them all. I wake up in the morning. It's like, oh, I, I hope you slept well. Here are gifts. Of some of the things that were See, in there. that's awesome. We thought that would be fun. Oh, and all your photos, we touched them all up for you. Oh, and it's snowing in some of these. So you probably don't want it. So we left the other ones normal. But we add snowing to them just in case <laughs> if you want alternates. And it's yeah. like, yeah, Google, I do want those things. Yeah. I won't share them with anybody because I hate Google+. Plus. But thank you for keeping these. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you it's do it, weird. The awesome so thing good. is really cool. Like, but, no, that is cool. I just, like, features are so I just want them all close to me. It can't I be keep buying big-ass hard drives and backing my photo library. Guys, we're all switching library. to Android. This is the time. Ready? Mm. Here we go. Android's, data, and Android's Dude, entire I, I, data I model just switched to iOS like a month me. ago. Yeah, I'm switching. I'm done. This you should. It. Which one? What, what are you going to get? <laughs> the, the good one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> which one is it? Oh, God. Uh, which one? And this Vergecast took another hour to complete. <laughs> uh, everybody get, What's important to you? A camera? The best Android is, phone. Is a camera important no, to you? I have no, my no, own no. camera now. The best, oh, that's the right. best Android phone, guy. I would Gosh. say right now. Uh, it, well, that, then here's what you should do. You should get a Nexus 6 yeah. and glue your camera to the back of it. That sounds. Uh, fine. Do you do you, if you want a if you true. want a big ass phone? That would get a be Nexus an awesome. Six. Don't like that would be an awesome. Oh, they get a Moto X twenty fourteen. Uh, Moto X twenty fourteen. That's what you want. It's twenty fifteen. Thanks, teen. Just saying, <gasps> teen fact. I, I would wait. I would <laughs> wait. Hype, hype, hype check Apple photos for OS X. That was ten. God, God damn man. It. There's no hype check your pronunciation. There's no difference. <laughs> Sam, you're supposed to say you're supposed OSX to do math. Oh my god! Yes, there's an absolute difference. One is a letter, one is a number, and the thing is a number. And when you're supposed to hype check something, you're supposed to do math and say a number. So twice in one thing, you fail to say numbers. Wow, you are being really hard on photos, Swagmaster. Photos for I haven't used it yet. I can't. Oh, sorry, that, that was oh, fair. That was supposed to sound like fake angry. I'm not. I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, I didn't think you were angry either. I don't know, but for real, like, plan. I, would, I could. I, I could have fewer emotions about that. It would be really hard. <laughs> Uh, but plant regarding your Android phone, the 
we're there, there's a Samsung event soon. The oh yeah, yeah. the new mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, uh, the curvy S six. Yeah. Oh, we we haven't talked okay, about that. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll get that. I have a Moto X in my drawer. Uh, I will <laughs> say has wood back on it. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, we should, you should just glue your camera to that, and it's a great phone. Eli, we should, we should talk about um, Bill Gates. We should, his, yeah, the we, went we, on should, we should wrap this up. So it's Bill Gates month on the verge. We'll just yep. do this quickly because uh, I don't know. Well, and there's uh, also other beautiful videos you should be watching and articles you should be reading. So yes, but talking th- about this them. is the month uh, during which Bill Gates guests edit the verge. Uh, that means uh, every Wednesday we're going to have an episode of the big future and a feature about uh, one of Gates's predictions um, for the next 15 years and all of his predictions are specifically related to how life for the world's poorest will radically improve because of technology. So this week, the feature was about mobile banking. Um, So this is a crazy thing that I actually didn't know. In many of the poorest places in the world, if you ask people what they would rather have, a a mobile phone or plumbing, uh, they will pick mobile phones. They will will continue to use outhouses as long as they have phones, which I think for most of us in the developed world is like – Kind of like a crazy choice, but then we—I would make the same choice. Like if you're like you can, I'm going to take away your phone, uh, but give you this toilet. I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that without a phone. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there are also things. <laughs> there, there, I, I think the point that they make is there are things that we take for granted that, right? Like we can go to a bank right. here. You can't always go to a bank, right? Right, right. Country. But I'm saying so it but, provides you a lot of benefits. But one of the things is as particularly phones because the desire for them, the demand for phones is so high sure. that they will spread through the population in these poor countries. I want to read this, fast. this tweet that Bill Gates tweeted um, and he linked to our article. He says uh, today, 2 billion people don't have a bank account in 15 years. They'll be making payments with their phones, right? So, so those 2 billion people that don't have a bank account now will have phones and be making payments with those phones. The crazy thing is Bill actually tweeted that. Yeah. 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 He does. We we know so we know more about Bill Gates and like his Twitter strategy now. It's very interesting. Yeah, there's there's like a lot of like Bill Gates like tweets. I don't know. He tweets by committee, but he is involved. But he's definitely like in the tweet mix. By the way, in the tweet mix, my new album. (laughs) It's actually a remix. It's just Twitter. It's just Twitter. It's just Twitter raps. Oh my! Getting to the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just got it. Anyway, it's Bill Gates month. Uh, the mobile banking thing is fascinating. The episode of the Big Future is fascinating. I believe next week is about education, so look for that on Wednesday, and then we'll have this sort of exact weird summary at the end of the podcast yeah, next week. Yeah, it'll be great. Actually, I won't be on the podcast next week because I will be on vacation. Uh, so then Dieter will be doing this awkward thing on the podcast oh next week. Just me guys. and Dieter. Tune in. And, and the boss chair. <laughs> All right. tune, in, tune in to the Vergecast next week when everything falls apart. <laughs> Unlike every other episode. It's going to be great. Uh, anyway, that's our show. Uh, a bunch of stuff uh, is going to be – I've got a whole list here. I'm going to do it, Sam. I did an opening. I'm going to do a closing. <laughs> Go wow, taking Sam's role. Go That's for it. That's not a role. It's I just want to see if I can do it. Yeah. Uh, and the last line here is just makes me want to cry. We need <laughs> that. That's like you're worried about the sign off. No, well, he's, he's he's ready for way it. Way more worried about the sign off. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Right. I, I I really do not. Enjoy Guys, it. we're done because I'm going to go upstairs and study some more telecom policy. Yes, great. Stay tuned to the Verge for more Bill Gates throughout February. That's the best. Follow at Verge on Twitter. Do something, hashtag Vergecast. Uh, go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. And what, what's the assignment? For the uh, what, the what, assignment what is, hype is check? please what's tell us hype what check hype check formula? is. Okay, the, yeah. the specific hype check formula. Yeah. 
the iTunes URL, we have a new iTunes URL, iTunes.com oh, slash Vergecast, which is awesome. Wow. Uh, stay tuned next week. What? Oh, maybe maybe instead of that. Oh, oh. We'll get, we're, stay tuned next week for the debut, the star-studded debut, by which I mean Chris Plant and somebody else, uh, <laughs> of What's Tech with Chris Plant. An audio podcast. An audio-only podcast, mm-hmm. which involves, I will say, sitting in a tiny, uncomfortable room with Chris Plant with audio padding on the walls that makes you want to can die. <laughs> he is so hot and stinky. And then like the we did like, four in a day. Like magic eyes at you. Oh yeah. Oh, the good thing can I tell people about yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. So the good thing about it is the room is I it should you should not put more than one person in this room. <laughs> you just shouldn't. It's so small. But it's surrounded in that audio foam. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call like it. The, audio the, foam. The triangles sticking yeah. out of you. Mm-hmm. We should just Snapchat this afterwards. Uh, we'll Snapchat it. You sit across from each other in the corners, so when you look, it it's like a folding in of that audio yeah. foam. And when you stay there for more than two minutes, your eyes they don't know what to do with the the mirror image. It's kind of like looking at a TV when it has a 3D effect on, but you're not wearing the 3D glasses. And you just start to faint. <laughs> and like, I literally was like yeah. talking to you. I'm like, uh-huh. uh huh. And then he like went, he like went down a little bit. Uh-huh. And he told me, he told me this was gonna happen. I was like, I'll be fine. And then like that happened. And I was like, huh. And then I started, and it's over. Yeah, yeah. What, so, by the time you know, it, it's too so late. What's but the tech, podcast is in fact coming. The podcast is coming. What's tech with Chris Plant featuring many passed out guests? Yeah. yeah. Uh, next week debuting. That'll be really exciting. Uh, Sam. <clears throat> Is on Snapchat at the Real Verge. It's like the fiftieth time we've plugged Snapchat. Hell yeah! Uh, our unmonetized distribution channel. That's cool. <laughs> Go look at us where we make no money. Yeah. Uh, I am reckless. Dieter is backlon. Chris Plant. Plant. It's Plant. Sam yeah. Chef. Sam Sheffer. Sam Chef. That's it. Uh, that's the end of our show. Goodbye. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Chris Plant, and I believe technology can be, well, a little impenetrable. So I've invited my friends into a tiny padded room to tell me how it all works. You can hear it all on my new podcast, What's Tech? from The Verge.